Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 230, and uh, it's it's a Sunday. Who releases podcasts on a Sunday? No one, that's who. Um, but there's a reason for this one. It's a little surprise bonus. Those in the, um, in the secret Patreon clubhouse knew this was coming. I told them, if you want to join the gang, it's only... It's only 80p a month, and it's patreon.com slash pit. I won't bang on about that too much, because this episode I'm joined by Eddie Dennis, and it's a hell of a conversation. Um, Eddie is a wrestler, but this podcast isn't only for wrestling fans. You'll hear his story is amazing and inspirational. I'm not going to bang on t- too much, because we talk plenty. The timing of this is relevant, though, because this is coming out on a Sunday, if you're you're listening on the Sunday, this time next week, Progress Wrestling is hitting a Wembley Arena, and I could not be stronger in my urging of you all to go along. In fact, this week's podcast isn't brought to you by SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com, it's brought to you by Progress Wrestling, Wembley Arena. Yeah, I recommend you all go, I'll be there. So you can come along and say hello. Have a listen to this podcast because you might be like, I'm, I'm not really into wrestling. I think you'll see, I don't know, this might change your mind a little is all I'm saying. Equally, if you are coming down for the wrestling, um, I've got my club night the night before. We Are Lizards is at the book club in Hoxton. I've got Dan Lassac DJing. I've got wrestling fan Get Kate, Wear Kate Fly DJing. So yeah, it's going to be a night of of wonderful DJs and a lot of fun. It's at the book club in Hoxton. So come along to that. You, you can buy tickets in advance or you can put your name on the guest list. So email your names to um, info at thetrashsociety.com. And yeah, that's that's the plan there. Um, I'm going to get on with the podcast because it's a really great one. I drove to Egham to talk to Eddie. And um, yeah, it flew by. Um, uh, a lot of you will know that I kind of don't have wrestling guests anymore, and that's because of Tuesday Night Jaw. If you're not familiar with Tuesday Night Jaw, it's a wrestling podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network, hosted by Jim Smallman, who is one of the three co-founders of Progress Wrestling. And I kind of stopped having, having wrestling guests because he's so good at having uh, wrestling guests. His roundtables are amazing. His his one-on-one interviews are amazing. Um, so I kind of eased off. But because he's been uh, so busy and there's been a bit of a gap i thought i'd sneak in a wrestling guest so um but yeah i urge you to go and listen to the tuesday night jaw episodes if you've not heard them yet go and have a scroll through his back catalogue and you'll see some of the superstars he's had on also i should mention i've had previous wrestling guests if you are a wrestling fan i've had will osprey i've had chris jericho i've had gentleman jack gallagher gallagher i said gallagher but i've changed it to gallagher i've corrected it i'm sorry um, and I've had Jim Smallman himself. So, yeah. And had Jimmy Havoc on last Christmas's drunk cast. So, check them out too. Sh- short intro, because there's a hell of a story ahead. This is episode 230 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Eddie Dennis. So that is rolling, and that is rolling. 
And we're off. So I'm joined today by Mr. Eddie Dennis. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. This is nice, because we've been meaning to do this for a little while, and there was a point a few weeks ago that it almost happened just, again, out of nowhere. It did almost happen. And this was kind of another one that was almost out of nowhere. It was like a message a day ago or two days ago. It was like, you know what? Yeah, okay. Let's, uh, let's just it record it and we'll put it out immediately. And Last time I think we were both on the M4 corridor. Yeah. We were yeah. both going back and forth to Wales. Ex- ex- exactly. It was, it was one of them where, <laughs> yeah, I'd assumed that you'd be in Wales and you weren't. And then Incorrect I was like, well, assumption. Common assumption for wrestling promoters as well. Yeah. I don't live in Wales. I live in Egham. Yeah. And it's it's the common thing as well of any time you're... As an English person in America, they'll all be assumed that you live in London <laughs> or you come from London or anything else. It's like, yeah, not everyone. I, I get it all the time. I don't actually live in London. Yeah, I'll have people go, oh, I'm in town to yeah. promote a film. Is there have I come on the podcast? It's like, yes, I will travel for 90 <laughs> minutes to and from well, London. Well, this, <laughs> this literally happened on this one because I messaged you and was like, I'm in town tomorrow on yeah. Wednesday. And then you were like, come to your house if you want. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's a whole hell of a lot easier that's than even coming easier, right? I genuinely prefer it because in town, I either have to borrow a room in the book club or the Queen of Hoxton, like, like one of these club venues I work in, or use a studio at Acast. And I genuinely prefer to take my gear and get in someone's living room yeah. and get comfy and just you have can a be casual quietly chat. judgmental. Yeah, 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 exactly. I wanted to come oh, and snoop what's in around that your CD house. Collection? Exactly. So there's a lot of stuff that I want to uh, I talk about today, but we're I mean in general we're going to end with Wembley because that's insanely exciting, but Too one exciting. of the things that's been exciting or your story has been something that's excited people in recent years there's been articles in in papers about it and it's kind of beautiful because literally after every article has been written it's got even even better yeah there's been another thing that's like and now this has happened so it's kind of it's an exciting one to do a podcast now with the wonder of what the next thing is going to be but um so i guess we will start with wembley arena's probably next yeah it's a good end it's a good point right but um so the reason a lot of coverage started to come your way was because you were a teacher Mm -hmm. um and you were a teacher who was also was also a wrestler so ahead of all that uh, growing up did you at least grow up in wales i'm not making (laughs) assumptions there right yeah yeah i did grow up in (laughs) wales i grew up in south wales um around the sort of swansea area yeah um lived in south wales for all of my childhood went to university in south wales as well went to university in cardiff um and then when i graduated university traveled around a little bit um but settled in in this part of the country um lived and worked in a boarding school in ascot and and then lived in a couple of places but all just around this just west of london twickenham staines Egham, um just just those kind of areas probably for the last decade now yeah and and growing up what were you kind of uh, are were you into it seems an obvious assumption to think that you were into wrestling because yeah. everyone was into wrestling at that point and then there was a lull where a lot of people got out of it but when you seem to talk to the wrestlers who are now part of this huge resurgence in in British wrestling all that kind of thing, they're the ones who didn't have the lull yeah. they're the ones who stuck through and were like had you would have had a period of people going 
Oh, you're into wrestling. Bit of a loser. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, man, you're a wrestler. This is now the coolest thing again. Yeah, so I, I'm exactly, I follow that exact stereotype <laughs> of a British independent wrestler, I guess. Um, I, I always say that I grew up with pro wrestling. So uh, what I mean by that is like being born in 86, uh, I'm 32 now. And I think that wrestling sort of matured almost at exactly the same time as I did. So when right. I was five and six years old, when I first got into pro wrestling was like the very early nineties of like Hogan and warrior, very colorful over the top, almost he yeah. type characters. Yeah. Um, and then there was that lull in the mid nineties when nobody watched it with Hitman and Michaels and stuff were on top. I still loved pro wrestling. That was still like the big thing that I liked. I was the same. I, <laughs> I, I got in as an ultimate warrior fan and then, it was. It was that uh, Shawn Michaels era. That it is. I think it's what m- makes you know you, you loved wrestling because it's a weird coincidence that the point it was probably technically at a peak yeah. was the point it was popularity-wise at a low. That it kind of become uncool. But if you're actually a fan, it's like, well, it's not just a big boot and a, and a leg yeah, drop it now. It's like yeah, really yeah, good yeah. stuff. Yet you've got a fight to be into it or you've got to be secretly into it or yeah whatever, so. so we i like i really loved it and certainly like all of my friends probably liked it when i was sort of five or six years old and then i guess when i was sort of eight nine ten i was probably the only the only person in my yeah. school who liked it not that i would hide the fact that i liked it but i certainly wouldn't be able to to play with your friends or, or you know you'd the the figurines and stuff they stopped selling them in in this is how I remember as a child, they stopped selling that stuff in in shops. Yeah. You couldn't get it in shops. You had to get it in car boot sales. Yeah, so yeah, my dad yeah, yeah, car boot yeah, sales yeah, on Sunday, and I'd be digging through boxes to try and get old Hasbro figures. And it went through like a little lull there, I guess probably ninety four, maybe where because I always associated with toys. I have like a huge pro wrestling toy collection, yeah. and like I think I guess around ninety four, WWF must have lost the rights to Hasbro. And right. they didn't pick up the new figures, like the rubbery type figures, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably until like 97. So there's a little patch there in the middle yep. where you couldn't get wrestling toys. Yeah. So I, yeah. So when, when Stone Cold first came in, onto the scene in like late 96, 97, yeah, yeah. or when he, when he blew up, I got an Arn Anderson WCW figure Amazing. and I got a knife and I shaved his head off <laughs> with a knife <laughs> and, I, and I got a black biro and I painted his red and white trunks in black I love and it. Arn Anderson became Stone Cold. I Sorry, Arn. <laughs> no, I love that. That's perfect. It's, it's really interesting because I, I was watching a program about st- stickers the, the other day and st- stickers were one, sticker collection books well, one of the things partly responsible, or, or wrestling was partly responsible for the boom in sticker books. Cause, oh, Because wow. one of the big sticker book collection companies didn't have the rights to the Premier League or, or, or Division One or whatever it was at the time. And they took a risk on wrestling and it became the biggest. It, yeah. it went it, it went crazy. And again, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Always wanting to get the, the Warrior and Legion of Doom and that kind of thing. And that was part of the boom because for us over here, I also remember the WWF magazine because... Yeah. In this country, months out of date. Yeah, well, we couldn't watch months it though. It was like if you didn't have Sky or anything like this, you'd kind of a lot of it. I'd be catching up on WWF, and it's yeah. that it's so crazy to think now that you can't go. I mean, we're talking on Tuesday. Um, Hell in a Cell was on Sunday. 
anyone who's not watched it by tomorrow, I think they can't complain about spoilers. It's no, kind of it's that yeah, weird thing. It's literally yeah. as a wrestling fan now, you've got a few days. Yeah. Whereas at that point, you've got a few months that <laughs> yeah. you can still read it and be excited. Easy, yeah. It's mad. I remember renting WrestleMania six from Blockbuster Video. I didn't know who won between Hogan and Warrior. Yeah, it was probably about nineteen ninety two by yeah. the time. I yeah, it. exactly. It's mad. So did that kind of stick with you then and was that like as a kid were you i want to be a wrestler or was that an unrealistic expectation yeah i think that um realistically realistically being a professional wrestler is always going to be an unrealistic expectation i think when you're a child you know what i mean but it was certainly that was the thing that i wanted to do um and when i was young enough that it wasn't frowned upon to have a ridiculous um dream of something to do I would tell people I wanted to be a pro wrestler and then when I got a little bit older and it became farcical or ridiculous to have um, something like that as you know what you want to be when you grow up I still wanted to be a pro wrestler and that was partially because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life Uh, and partially I guess because I really did want to be a pro wrestler it could be a driving force and it's kind of nice sitting here as two shining examples of unrealistic children's <laughs> dreams because i would have wanted to be a rock and roll star and tour the tour the world and all that that happened and yeah. you wanted to be a wrestler to that happened it's that but part of that is always again i completely agree part of my big i always get asked motivation and drive and how i knew this could happen part of that motivation and drive is not wanting to get a real job yeah, yeah, yeah and i've yeah, got yeah. no sh- shame in that that's an honest thing there was for a long time i was like Oh, I don't want to work in an office. I don't. So, That's so, one of the biggest. That can be things. a great motivating factor, right? One, one of the biggest things in the last year has been, and I loved my decade in teaching. I thought yeah. it was wonderful. I really enjoyed working with children. Um, I think it's you know a really special place of an educational institution. But one of the uh, one of the big things in the last year has been realizing how nice it is not to work for anyone yeah and i don't think even if wrestling didn't work out or if you know in 10 years time my body was feeling a bit battered and i didn't want to carry on wrestling i really don't think i could ever walk back into a paye job just because i've realized how much how liberating it is to work for yourself and completely your own schedule do you know what i mean 100 percent. and again and that's not for anyone who's hearing that wrong it's the opposite of a, a, a laziness thing. I I do more hours now. Oh, I work yeah, for myself yeah, yeah. than I ever did because you're motivated to. Because you're the one that benefits. Yeah, like, I remember I worked yeah. in HMV for years and I got up to kind of team leader and management levels. And it wasn't until after I left I realised most days I would do an hour or two extra work that wasn't getting paid, that wasn't getting registered anywhere because I was dedicated and I was hard yeah, working. Yeah. And no one, or I wasn't benefiting from that at all. Yeah. Yet now, still having that mentality. And again, it could be good that that stuff gave, gives you that mentality and that work ethic. But now, if I'm working till midnight, it's knackering. But I know that I'm working for me and yeah, I'm getting, benefit, I'm, I'm the beneficiary right? of, it, yeah. of it all. I mean, teaching's like the, the most shine, I think probably the most shining example of people working. Uh, not for their own financial gain because 100%. like there literally isn't uh, you know people say how many hours do you work a week there isn't an hourly amount of time that you work as a teacher you mm. work until it gets done <laughs> and, yeah, then, and often that can be crazy 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 numbers of hours you know certainly my last two years when I was a head teacher it was 
a long, you know, long, 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 yeah. like probably I, I wouldn't even hazard a guess clocking 50, 60 hours a week, like and, a lot of time. And everyone I know who's been in teaching or been, and this is key, being a good influence in teaching and pushing forward are the people who, again, the, those extra hours are key because the real good teachers are working above and beyond the curriculum and are finding ways to work within the system that's there, which, again, I'm sure we can talk about. There's a lot of problems in our educational system and how it's structured, how we're, how we're, we're pushing kids. And the teachers I've known that have been great put those extra hours in to go, right, here's the system, rather than go, oh, it's rubbish. It doesn't yeah. work. I'm going, how can I make it work? Let's and how can I get the, the most out of it? make it as good so, as possible, right? So how did you find your way into, into teaching, I guess, uh, after avoiding real jobs for a long time? Um, and, and, and was it in parallel? Were you already wrestling or was it? Yeah, you know, it, the kind um, of so of I, did my, I did my degree in maths. I finished my degree in maths and I just knew I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to get a, a graduate job. So I could have gone into accounting, banking. There's there's all kinds of uh, jobs that you can roll into with a degree in maths because it just shows that you can work things out. Yeah. Um, so world your oyster a little bit. I didn't want to get anything serious. Um, so it was it was work as a as a, a till guy in 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 a HMV yeah. or it was do a PGC. Uh, because they'd have both made me about the same amount of money at the time. Like doing yeah. the, the teaching qualification was really well funded, um, and and it would have given me an extra year living in student accommodation it would, uh, or a student flat. It would give me an extra year where I didn't need to pay council tax. There's loads of little yeah. petty reasons. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. give me an extra year of university ultimately, um, and, and an extra year of. of- Again, avoiding uh, growing avoiding up, a avo- avoiding exactly. a real job, going, right, exactly. I, can, I can hold this out for another year. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I had a lot of friends doing four-year courses. Mine was only a three-year course, so a lot of my friends were staying anyway. It just made sense to stay. Yeah. Um, and rather than uh, what I would have perceived a wasted year if I'd have just got sort of a menial job and ended up with sort of like £12,000 at the end of it, I could do something which gave me a qualification, which I might end up using, might not. It, it, um, it feels like it's... Um, Putting down a deposit and paying into a mortgage rather than renting. Exactly. If you know exactly what I mean, it's, it's 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 the same. It's not necessarily at the time what you thought you were going to do, but yeah. it's it's putting money in your own. It's investing in yourself investing rather than in working yourself. in same earnings, but in a record store or whatever else that isn't going to. In a year's time, you're not going to be able to go. Well, I've done a year working here. Like Ex- no one will care. Exactly. So that's what I did. So I started my PGC and then. I sort of like halfway through, maybe even a quarter of the way through the PGC, I was starting to think like, what am I going to do once I finish this PGC? Because I don't think I want to go into teaching, you know? And uh, I was flicking through uh, an FSM magazine. I think it might have been called something else at the time. WAW or something. WOW. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, I was flicking through a, a pro wrestling magazine and there was an advert in there for Lance Storm's Wrestling Academy. I never ended up going oh, wow. there. But uh, that just made me, that's just like little light bulb going off in my head of like I always wanted to be a pro wrestler and like I still watched pro wrestling even yeah. though like I was sort of like 21, 22 by that point and I was like maybe maybe I'll give this maybe I'll give the pro wrestling thing and, a go and kind of at that point I mean now you're you're, you're a tall lad you're a, a, yeah, a big yeah, guy yeah. so there must have been a, again at that point like when you were a kid yeah and you're and a done, kid when you're in your 20s and you've had growth spurts like you can kind of go right that this is now I've got some some physical attributes. Maybe this will go. And I'd done uh, judo like all through my childhood, right. so I knew that like maybe the the physical side of it should come relatively easily to me. 
so I was gonna go. I was gonna just go straight out and train um, in in a school in Canada, like a Lance Storm school, or you know maybe a school in America, Harley Races school, or you know yeah. I was gonna go straight out and just learn out there. And it was only that a friend of mine's band were using a local independent wrestling company for their music video. So they used the wrestling ring. It was only that they were doing that and we went along to be a fake crowd that I got chatting to local independent wrestlers. Oh, wow. Um, And and there were local independent wrestlers running. So I thought, well, you know, saves spending half my savings flying around the world to live in a wrestling camp for three months yeah why not like go on a sunday evening to murfa <laughs> yeah. let's give it a try give, give it a whirl yeah. first you know um so i did that and i did end up going out to canada i ended up training uh under scott demore and tyson dukes in um can-am wrestling in windsor for Amazing. six months all within that first year of training um but it, so they pretty much happened in parallel i i started training to be a teacher the same year that i started training to be a pro wrestler yeah and then the entire time so sort of like once I graduated my PGC was when I moved out to Canada and then I came back and I sort of like worked in a cinema and slept on an ex-girlfriend's sofa and yeah. sort of like desperately tried to avoid reality and yeah, getting yeah, a real yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, wrestling's going to pay off, wrestling's going to happen. And this is like, I don't know, 2009 maybe, like the scene was like dead. You yeah. Know, 2010 maybe, there was nothing, nothing yeah. going on. So a buddy of mine, who I did my PGC with messaged me and he was like, Hey, I'm working in a boarding school in Ascot. You could live here. So you could save like 12, 13, 14 grand a year live in here because there are no expenses live like a hermit. Um, and, and at the end of a year of teaching, you'd probably have enough money to go out to Japan and try and make something happen in wrestling or go to America because going out somewhere still seemed like the only realistic way of making something happening in pro wrestling at at at, the time. At that point in the UK, pro wrestling, it was tough for it to be a a full-time job. It was always to be a, there's something I do, even if you're, even if you're doing well, you're still going to have something else to keep things ticking over. There's probably a handful of guys at that point who were making a, a living out of it and um we're on the radio so you can't see that i did inverted commas there (laughs) a living would you know would have been would have been a struggle so i took the teaching job in ascot and the whole idea was that i would just live in boarding uh for a year or two save up money and then jack it in and go and wrestle and at that point in my teaching career wrestling was the priority so we talk about like being a good teacher i wasn't a good teacher right i was i was leaving bang on the dot at the end of the school day to right. run to a train so that I could do a wrestling show on a Friday night. Wow. And then I'd sleep on someone's sofa and do a wrestling show on the Saturday night and I'd sleep on someone's sofa and do a wrestling show on the Sunday night. And then I'd get the first train back in the morning and literally roll straight into school. Wow. I hadn't done any marking or any planning and I was shoddy teacher, you know, because yeah. the focus yeah, yeah, yeah. was on pro wrestling yeah, and teaching completely. was just a means to an end. And I don't know, at some point over the course of those years the focus shifted yeah um i thought that i would be satisfied with just working uh as a um, as a classroom teacher and i wasn't I, I wanted to to further that side of my life as well I just yeah. na- naturally motivated and you know just found doing the same thing year in year out the idea of oh get all your lesson plans done in the first year and you can just recycle them the second year was horrifying to me yeah, like the yeah, idea of yeah, just repeating yeah. your life year yeah. after year like groundhog day but yeah. a year uh, was not appealing to me so I was motivated to to to, to sort of like um, kick on in teaching 
ended up picking up a sort of like a couple of middle management positions ahead of house ahead of year and then the the headship came up and all the while my career was sort of skyrocketing within teaching the british independence scene was blowing up yeah it was it like, was at the same time <laughs> yeah it was it was it was a point where all of a sudden it there were more and more shows you you didn't have to only only work at weekends for example or or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. or wrestlers as a teacher you probably did after yeah i did only work weekends for sure the wrestling industry in the uk was blowing up and people like progress were at the at the forefront of that and and kind of people like jimmy havoc at the top of that were the ones that were making this suddenly a hot scene yeah of Um, course yeah yeah, but again at the same time as you were getting more motivated in your work so that must have been a conflict right yeah it was a funny situation because while the wrestling scene was blowing up and while as you correctly say there was opportunity to wrestle more often to make more money was when i was dialing it back yeah. So I remember when I started the my head of house position, I told myself I'm only going to wrestle one show a weekend yeah. because I have to I have to moderate the amount that I'm doing because there is stuff I have to do over the weekend for my real yeah. profession, you know. Um, so I was like aiming to only have 50 wrestling matches a year, and just when the scene was sort of blowing up and I and you know you were able to make some real real money on on merchandise. I wasn't releasing merchandise because I wasn't declaring my professional wrestling earnings. So yeah. it wasn't, wasn't beneficial to me to yeah. try and make real More. money off merchandise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was a funny situation. Like progress. Cause I was a part of progress. Progress is probably the best example. Cause that's really, uh, you can look at that, at the meteoric rise of pro wrestling in Britain and it just matches what progress did ultimately. Yeah. Um, and I've been there since chapter six and, when we were starting to get a real following on social media and things and we were starting to get a little bit of traction yeah. was when I had to shut down my social media. Yeah. Because it was getting too much traction. I was gonna say and how people within and it, you know How was that as a teacher having to and I I'm guessing for a long while you had to kind of keep it a bit of a secret because it's a bit odd that that your teacher yeah. is a <laughs> so, wrestler at weekends or whatever. I did try and keep it a secret. They did find out eventually. The fact that I wrestled wasn't really a problem. It just, as soon as they knew that I wrestled, I just had to be very careful at what content found its way online. Yeah. Because there was a lot of stuff which was not, even if it wasn't going on in my matches, there was a lot of stuff going on at shows which if I was associated with that show working in the educational sector, it might not have looked yeah. like the best thing ever, you know? Or well, one um, of the reasons that that progress seemed to blow up was it was a, a grown-up wrestling show. It was adults, targeted yeah. at adults. It wasn't targeted at, 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 at your world of sport kids and grannies yeah. and that kind of thing. It's, 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 I like it because I walk in there and it f- feels like, the metal clubs I used to walk into. Yeah, it's, it's that kind yeah, of crowd. Yeah. Everyone's got t- tattoos and black t-shirts, and it's kind of, but it's all very welcoming. But yeah, because of that, there's going to be some adult content. There's going to be some boundaries being pushed that might not be good if they then go and go. Is that is that your teacher? Yeah, in, in, exactly. in the background there, even if it's as, as you said, even if it's not, not not you engaged, but in the background or further on that card. Yeah, and that was that was kind of the thing, and I think that I had a my. Twitter, I remember when that happened, was like, I was my fault in that I I like shades of grey within pro wrestling and I like things really touching, like 
real touching a nerve close to reality and stuff. We can touch on that in a bit when we oh, talk we about Mark and things. But yeah. with, so I'd always acknowledge the fact that, that I was a teacher. Yeah. Like I'd never shy away from that. I'd yeah. like call myself like a weekend warrior as part of my appeal as a as a wrestler. I think was that I was the guy who was like half assing it. You know, I was kind of yeah. like one of the people. Um, well, and and because of that, the the audience knew I was a teacher. And then I'd start getting tweets about like, oh, I wish Eddie Dennis was my teacher, and just inappropriate comments. And then you just have to, yeah. you just have to nix your social media. Again, then, you know, it's a great thing that worked as well because it did get you to put yourself across as the everyman. Yeah, exactly. A, a type wrestler. There was a long period, again, like when we were speaking of earlier on, with your Hogans and your Warriors, it was, una- it was unattainable. Yeah. You don't see someone who looks like the Warrior walking down the street. Yeah. But how exciting and motivational when you see someone come in, you're like, he looks kind of like... That's why everyone like oh, one of us, right? Yeah, yeah, ex- like, exactly. He looks like one of us and then he's doing all this stuff. He's, yeah... Yeah, that's so the appeal there. That was kind of the that was kind of the the my mindset behind it, and um, yeah, it just reached a bit of a a bit of a crescendo where I'd done a couple of years in my headship. I'd sort of decided I was about thirty at the time. Um, I'd sort of decided that I didn't want to be ahead for the next ten years of my life, and taking backwards career steps in in teaching, it, it's not the best thing to do because I think it kind of yeah. shuts the doors for for re-promoting yourself later on in life because yeah, it, it looks like you couldn't you couldn't hack it you know yeah. um so so uh, having a, a clean slate like a fresh start from from education was was a good time to do it and the scene was blowing up to a point where i was thinking to myself man i could i could do like i was turning down a lot of work by that yeah, point wrestling yeah, wise yeah. you know and i was thinking i could probably just about get by on this and um, the WWE UK tournament, the first one had happened, and all my friends were in it. And I was like, man, I feel like if I'd have been trying for the last couple of years, I could have been with them, you know? Yeah. It, and those it, kind of frustrations. It, it must be tough, because as things start to, bl- to blow up, there's probably a realism of, this is temporary. It's still, it's still not going to be a real job. You know, I mean, you're going to always have that stuff. Like, well, this is nice, but yeah, I've got a proper job. It's got a future. It's reliable. It's safe. All this kind of thing. And then when it keeps climbing and climbing, you start you, thinking, you're kind well, of man, going, maybe I should have jumped ship earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I, I thought it was, it was a bit of a now or never moment, a bit of a realization where I was like, oh man, this is, this is the moment. So I super nervous. I spoke to my girlfriend about it. She was supportive. I spoke to my parents. I never speak to my parents. I think I mentioned this maybe on Jim's podcast or something. So yeah. if you heard it before, I apologize. But, um, I, I never phone my parents for any advice, not yeah. because I don't love them to bits, but just because I'm, I'm, I just make all my own decisions, yep. but I phoned them, which yeah. shows that I really didn't know yeah, which way to go, sure. you know. <laughs> and, and what did uh, they say? What was they their... just said? Go for it. They were like, "That's amazing. This is what you've always wanted to do. You know, you've worked super hard. I'd already mortgaged this house. Yeah. We, you know, me and Liana were in a, a situation where we were living together, but we didn't have any children uh, because you know it's, it's one thing to make a financial to you know take a bit of a gamble yeah. on yourself." I think it's different when you're taking a gamble and, you know, you've got kids and stuff. Yeah, completely. And responsibilities. So, um, yeah, everyone everyone who I cared about, the people closest to me, um, were all like, go for it. So, it's amazing. And then the 
the the principal so i worked in a in a through school so as a, a reception to year six and then a secondary school as well um i was the head of the primary school so the reception to year six part but then as a principal who's the head of the senior school and kind of oversees the whole thing and i really respected her and i really valued her opinion so when i had to go in and we had a good working relationship too so when i had to go in and tell her hey i'm i'm jacking it into yeah. to chase wrestling i was nervous because the school had invested a lot of money in me you know, yeah, and a sure. lot of effort in me and uh, yeah, that, I mean, she was it. psyched too. If you'd been there a long time and that, and it had been bald and everything else, it is. It's kind of a feeling of letting them down in a yeah, way. Of kind course. of saying, "Look, you've done all this work, but th- thanks, but no thanks," kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I can understand that. And that was a bit that was a bit nerve wracking. But um, it was funny because I didn't even. I just went in to speak to her, and I was voicing some of my frustrations about different stuff. And she was sort of like saying, oh, maybe, you know, you can move on in your career in like different directions, started speaking about different roles within the school. And um, and then she just mentioned, how's wrestling going? And I was like, well, that's another thing. It's it's really kicking on at the moment. It's really going well. Going and, you know, good. there's there's opportunities and things out there. And she, before I'd even, I hadn't even muted the fact that, I mean, I guess my, my face probably said it all, yeah. but I hadn't even muted the fact that I was thinking about leaving. She just looked at me and went, you've got to leave, Edward. And I was like, what? And she was like, it's obvious. I can see it in your face. That's amazing. You just it. looked so like dour for the last 10 minutes. And the yeah. second I mentioned pro wrestling, your face just lit up. Wow. So you've got to go and chase it. So the school was super behind it. They let I me leave that. on like such a positive term in the sense of like, you know, I wrote my leaving, my like notice to the parents that I was leaving. Yeah. And we got to turn it into a cool positive thing of like, I told people to 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 chase their dreams and stuff. And, and I was the last, my last act as the head of the school was like the most, glaring example of practice what you preach that I yeah. could possibly and, have imagined. And that's what was beautiful. You did a really good a video around this time. Oh, was it with James Musselwhite? Yeah, was it, James yeah. Musselwhite produced it. Yeah. And it was it was amazing because it was exactly that. It was kind of saying, how can I as a teacher be telling these kids to chase their dreams to do all this when I'm not. I'm kind of hedging my bets. I'm relying. I've got my job. Yeah. I don't want to. It's like, if there was ever a chance to chase your, your dreams, it's when you see everyone else that you're with that, that that you've come up with is now making this big success and yeah. you're still kind of sat there going oh but yeah. I've got a reliable job I've got a rel- it's, you know so it's, it was an amazing thing to go look kids yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a literal example here <laughs> how, how did the parents and stuff everyone was to, to take it because I'm, again it is a weird one it is as a kid you're told that these things aren't aren't possible. You need to focus on getting a proper yeah. job and getting a trade and all this. So it really is the ultimate example of my head <laughs> is going off to become a wrestler, to join the circus and yeah, such kind exactly. of thing. exactly. Everyone, like, I wish I could think of... I almost wish there was someone who... Because everyone wants to be like, I'm going to shove it down that guy's throat. But, like, yeah. I have no one to shove it down their throat Amazing. because really nobody was down on it. Everyone yeah. was into it. I think the good thing about working um, with with teaching and things is the, 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 the playground uh, mentality of parents will be... They'll hear a sniff of it. They'll hear wind of it. And then they'll mute if they think that it's a little bit of a ridiculous thing to be doing and that, you know, you're abandoning their kids or something like that, 
then rather than just come out right and say it, they'll mute it mm. in the playground just to get a feel of yeah. the room, you know? And I think that what happens is one or two people are like, it's wicked. Yeah. It's so good. He's like, he's come in, he's changed all these things in two years and, and now he's running off to be a pro wrestler. Yeah. He's literally like done exactly what he said on the tin. You know, if yeah, you didn't yeah, see yeah. this when he walked through the door two years ago, then you didn't, you, you know, yeah. you, you obviously didn't realize what, what, what we were getting with him sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that once a few people go that, Everyone if just you goes did along. have negative yeah. thoughts, you just sort of like curb them and yeah. you think to yourself, ah, I'll just I'll just keep it on myself. Yeah, and, I'll keep that quiet. And just clap. So before we get on to, to to the full-time wrestling journey from there, how did you find your time as a teacher and what did you kind of go in and change and feel that you kind of l- learnt and improved? Because again, starting off as a teacher who's there just kind of going through, through Going the through ropes the motions, and, and, yeah. and, and getting it all done to be in someone who is trying to make a change and trying to go look this doesn't work here's how we need to to push kids forward so i naturally i mean i did my degree in maths because i could do maths not because i was particularly passionate about mathematics and when i ended up teaching i wasn't teaching maths because i loved mathematics i was teaching because i liked interacting with kids yeah um so that's kind of always been my mentality and I never used to go you have some teachers who and more credit to them they they put amazing effort into trying to make the lesson exciting and engaging and I'd always just try and be an exciting and engaging person delivering just normal content so it never got out of my way to make the content that I was delivering overly exciting and engaging I just try and be an exciting and engaging person myself yeah so that I, I always hated the idea of a kid when i was working in the secondary school as a maths teacher i always hated the idea of a kid coming to my class and thinking oh man we got maths now i always wanted kids to be like at least it's with mr dennis yeah He's yeah, yeah 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 He's a good laugh you yeah know? um and that is a that is a, a, a massive thing i remember at school all the lessons i dreaded were because of the teacher rather than yeah, because of, of the topic or subject and that's that's children. It's all personal. It's all personal interaction. It's all you, your own insecurities and discomforts. So if the person that's teaching it is engaging or even just you feel comfortable with them, then then that's going to influence your outlook on that subject, on that yeah. syllabus, on whatever else. I think the biggest thing about teaching was the thing which I enjoyed the most, I got the most satisfaction out of, was everything pastoral. So everything which was to do with their lives and them yeah. as people and them growing and progressing and giving them, you know, giving them a good example of how I think you should treat people, you know what I mean, ultimately. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and helping them when they had difficult times with their parents or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever the case may be. And much more trivial things down in the primary school, but ultimately the same is the same mm. kind of stuff. You know, they'd have a fight yeah. with their friends and things and that would really um, upset them. So, like, that was my favourite part of it. It was also the part I found most difficult. Yeah. So just if you naturally take something personally, then if you if you naturally take something to heart, if you naturally struggle to not take things home with you, yeah. then it might be the most satisfying part of the job, but it's also the part that gets you down the most. So yeah. dealing with the child protection issue is like 
the both the most stimulating aspect of the job and also the aspect which makes you want to leave the job the most yeah, because the most it's heartbreaking, really because diff- yeah. that's the bit that you 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 have to leave at the door yeah right you can do as so much in those hours but at the end of the day and that, they're going back to that situation and i struggled with that i struggled yeah. with that leaving it at the door when i first got into pastoral roles the head of house position i had was a pastoral you were pastoral head so the heads of you were academic heads of house were pastoral i just really struggled with if a kid was going through a hard time at home or something i could have them sit down in my office and just vent to me for two or three hours and i try and give them some advice and i genuinely think that just being like like an active listener or whatever, I was probably making life better for them, yeah, which is yeah. wicked. And like, like I said, is the most stimulating part of the job. But I also spent the whole journey home and that whole evening and probably that whole weekend with it playing on my mind. Like, I wonder what's going on yeah, with that yeah. person now. Um, I think one of the the most important things that that people and I, I think it's 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 something that we need to realise as society on a whole as well is is how how moldable kids can be how changeable yeah. kids can be it's not it's not the finished article so yeah. there's there's so much potential there even if it's the sh- sh- shitty kid over the park who's always swearing or doing this there's change that's that's possible there yeah. there was a video recently and it was horrific it was three kids kicking a young muslim kid and telling him to pray and telling it and doing and it was really it was racist it was horrible and and Gus Khan who's been on the podcast before who used to be a teacher he posted about it saying the most important thing here is they're young and that can change yeah it's more scary seeing grown-ups who, whose mindset is like that because there's potential for change but it's a, it's it's far it's it's hugely reduced yeah as as horrific as that was to see from young kids you can also go that kid probably doesn't actually have the mental capacity to actually be racist yeah, in his yeah, heart. Yeah. He's saying stuff he's heard. He's yeah. saying stuff he's he thinks is going to impress his mates and so yeah, on and so forth. He can be educated. He can be educated and he can be changed. And yeah. that's the important thing, I think. I think it's so common these days to be, oh, the youth's out of control. They're this and they're that. And yeah, there is there is problems. There is stuff. But it's that thing of going... Yeah, there's 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 still potential. There's far greater potential for change there than yeah. than in grown ups or in in older older generations. When I uh, when I left the the school, there was a uh, I went back like two weeks later to clear up my desk and I turned my computer on and there was emails on there and there was an email from one of my class from one of the teachers, my year five class teacher, and um, she'd written like an email, just like a note of like goodbye or whatever, and she'd written in it that you have an incredible ability to see the best in every child you interact with. Yeah. And it, it choked me up when I read I it. Because I was like, ah, oh. but, that, but that was, that's always been my mindset, yeah. you know, and I would get people thinking that I was soft and stuff because I'd always see the, you know, no matter what a kid did, I'd always see the, 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 the good in them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that, that the biggest part of teaching to me was it offered me an opportunity to, to show thousands and thousands and thousands of people how i think you should interact with other human beings and as a result i'd hope that there are a number of children growing up who hopefully treat other human beings in a more positive way because of the interactions they had with me yeah yeah and that's quite a humbling thought to sort of like break that down yeah that's amazing, like there's right? there's hundreds there's potentially hundreds of people 
because I've been in education for so long now as well. Some of them are young adults now. There's hundreds of people walking around who, let's forget about the fact that they might be able to do trigonometry because I talked yeah. it to them. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, focus yeah. on the wider thing yeah. of like, they hold the door open for someone or they, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. are, are polite to the person who's serving them in Tesco or they're, yeah. you know, not not rude to people because of the interactions which which I had with them, you know. Yeah, at I that think that's, point in their lives. Yeah, that's yeah. a humbling experience, you know. And it used to annoy, things like, things like it used to grate on me, you know, we'd have like a, a like a canteen in school and there were some members of staff whose mindset was, there's oh, a huge queue, right? And there's just some members of staff who, my time's more important than the kids' time, just walk straight yeah. to the front of the queue. Uh, it used to kick on me every yeah. time. I just, it grit on me so much. So oh, I, I'd oh, always stand... Oh, the, what's that teaching anyone? Yeah, exactly. Just because class time is over, the yeah, lessons aren't. Yeah. I, I, yeah, so I'd always stand in the queue and like sort of shout that i get myself in trouble shouting at other teachers being like, excuse me, there's a queue here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and little things like that. But I think that, you know... These are these are the store. These are the things which maybe stay in someone's yeah. stay in someone's head, and, and hopefully they treat people a little bit differently. A hundred percent because of it. So, so you go f- full time in wrestling. Mm. Um, a lot of your mates probably a little further ahead ahead than you because yeah, they've, they've a little full time for a while. <laughs> so you've got some catching up to do. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on, but but, but it's that kind of I want to be involved in all of it, but. I need to catch up as quick as possible. Yeah. And then quite quickly, you get injured, right? Yeah, pretty quick. How was that? (laughs) (laughs) To go, I've made this huge life decision. Everyone is celebrating it. Everyone is welcoming it. And then bang. Yeah, so the way it kind of worked was uh, I finished up in teaching in July. Um, I was doing this blog, this A Picture A Day thing. Uh, if people have a chance to go and check it out, a year in the life of a dreamer dot wordpress dot com or whatever it is, it's still up there. Uh, there's loads of just juvenile pictures of my cat or of television shows. I think you should yeah. watch. But there's also <laughs> some meaningful stuff littered through it. And um, basically, between July and December, everything that I wanted to happen happened. I got myself in better shape. I was getting more bookings. My uh, you know, I was releasing good merchandise. I was releasing stimulating content um, on uh, sort of like from a promotional standpoint. A hundred percent. You were really videos wise and promos wise. I think there was so much good stuff. Yeah, coming out. And cool it was stuff. it was that thing of I always like the my outlook when our first single blew up was like this is great that we've got all this attention on MySpace or YouTube or whatever. Now we need to get out and gig constantly to turn that into lifelong fans. And yeah. at that point, you you had a level of attention because of your story, but because of the change that you'd made, and because of the excitement of the fans who'd known you as the part-time guy for yeah. years was now taking this risk. Yeah. You had all of that, and then rather than just go, I've got this buzz, I'll benefit from oh, yeah, it. I was busting you, kind my of, ass. you knuckled down and went, right, let's, let's keep this going. Let's turn this into a long-term thing. And you were putting out amazing video content and yeah good merch all that kind of thing yeah so it was all going real good um i kind of ticked off i had all these things which i wanted to accomplish in my first year so i wanted to try it with the wwe i tried it with the wwe in the november so july finished 
August, September, October, November. Sort of four months in, I tried it for the WWE, which is a massive benchmark of something which yeah. I wanted to achieve. I wanted to wrestle in your call for Rev Pro. Um, I wrestled Martin Stone and I wrestled Pete Dunne a little bit later on in December um, in your call. I wanted to wrestle out in Ireland for OTT. I managed to tick that one off the box. I wanted to wrestle, um, I wanted to, you know, uh, cross the border into into Europe. I wrestled in Malta. That was cool. Um, and I was just ticking ticking everything off. And my schedule, because pretty much most wrestling promoters send you through the dates they want you a year in advance. So my my dates were sent through for 2018 and it was looking busy. Yeah. You know, I was looking packed. I was looking, it was most Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Everything Brilliant. was like kicking on. Um, I think I did pretty good at the tryout and... You know, we were kind of told that there wasn't anything going for, with regards to American things, but if and when a UK thing kicked off, yeah. a couple of people would be would be getting contacted. And I felt like those couple of people might have been me. You know, yeah. like that was kind of the 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 thought I had leaving the tryout. So yeah, heading into 2018, it was like everything everything I wanted. Um, and then January, I don't know, it was 18th or 21st, I can't remember now, but uh, middle of January. I ruptured my pec. Um, sort of couldn't believe it was as bad as it was yeah. for the first week. Still ended up wrestling the week after. But yeah, as it turns out, I shouldn't have been wrestling at all. And I had my last my last wrestling match that week after the torn pectoral, right up until <clears throat> the week before surgery. I kind of had a wrestling match at Thunder Bastard, yeah. but not really. And, and then I actually returned as late as sort of June. So the first half... Basically, the first half of my first year of full-time was wicked, everything was happening, and then the second half, I just didn't wrestle at all. Like, I yeah. literally didn't wrestle a single match. But again, the beauty there was, a, again, something that could only have come from going full-time. If that had happened when you were still teaching, then there would have just been more focus on teaching. But it yeah. feels like you had more time to focus on, on, on telling stories online, on making video content, because... Not, not, not to fast forward, but with Wembley, as this comes out exactly in one week, there's Pete Dunn's on there, Volta's on there, like the, the obviously uh, the Mustache Mountain Boys, all these guys who have been having literal five star matches, yeah. like the toast of the wrestling world. And I think if you speak to m- most fans, the fight that they're most excited about, or you know, in the top couple. Is you and Mark? Yeah, and that's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's, it's hundred percent for me and my mates Stu, who are crazy excited about it. Our thing has been for ages. Like we're finally going to see M- M- Mark and Eddie, and that's because of the storytelling. That I'm sure you would have done it great anyway, but the injury you managed to weave the real life into yeah, that and make it this such a compelling. It forced us story. to make it something different. So, so uh, let's explain a little bit of the of the story there that you and Mark had come up together and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, um, so genuinely, me and Mark have known each other for a very long time. Um, probably not from the very beginning of wrestling, but certainly I started wrestling in two thousand and eight. And I would have met him at some point in two thousand and eight. Yeah, yeah. So in my first year of pro wrestling. Um, same thing with Pete, I think. Maybe oh nine, I met Pete. But I've, I've known him for a long, long, long time. And, and when I always used to tell people when they'd be like, how is when you and Mark come out to party hard, how is it so loud? How is it so sort of like, 
excitable and things and I'd have friends come and watch us wrestle on progress shows and again was like I was very much like an everyman kind of wrestler at the time and the roster was full of these guys who were terrific and I'd speak to my friends afterwards and they'd be like I don't understand why you're so popular which I guess was like a knock on me yeah, but, it's, but it's, it's like a positive it's on the amazing because it shows how much it's it's that wrestling isn't one thing. Yeah. It's not just what's going on in the ring, it's the stories and everything. And it can be everything, The first right. p- p- progress I came to, I was there because I'd been told that this guy, Paul Robinson, comes out to one of my songs. And as a lifelong wrestling fan, he's like, a wrestler coming out to one that's, <laughs> that's crazy exciting. But w- w- one of the big takeaway things was you two coming out to party hard and everyone losing their shit and it, again it was a great tag match it was amazing but just that pop at the start was yeah was amazing it felt like a party and i think that that was because when people would ask me like why do you think that is i'd always tell people like i just think it's because people can see through bullshit and people know what's real yeah and when we come out and we're dancing and we're having fun and we're partying with one another, people can tell that that's real. They yeah. can tell that this isn't two people who've been told to tag, two people who've been told to dance to this song. Yeah. It's, if you saw these two, you know, eight Jaeger bombs deep in a nightclub yeah. and Party Hard came yeah. on, you'd see this exact ridiculousness. Yeah. You know, this yeah, is what 100%. you'd see. And people can see through that stuff, you know. So I think that that realism uh, transcended with the audience and they really, re- really liked it as a as a result. And then a lot of things which have been my, my sort of fodder with regards to this heel turn, if you like, um, have been based around uh, things that really happened. So Mark, while I was teaching full-time, Mark really did get signed by TNA. Yeah. And he really did leave and go and live in America. And it happened at a time where me and him as a tag team were as, as hot as we'd ever been. We were the champions at Progress. Yeah. With a lot of things going for us. I didn't see any time in sort of the foreseeable future that we'd be losing the tag belts. I very yeah. much saw us as one of the, one of the, one of the top, acts in the company and then he got signed and he had to leave so you know we did like a match where we we split up and things but we left on mutual you know yeah. as, as friends um and it kind of left me languishing a little bit yeah um probably because at least at that point in ring wise the way progress is going i probably wasn't best suited to singles matches i had a great hot tag and like i could yeah. like i'd been wrestling long enough that i certainly knew what i was doing but, yeah, 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 but yeah. i was better suited for a tag team environment i think sure. um and then and then he came back and we started tagging again and and it was all going really well again and we had a crazy good match with the origin in uh at the first manchester show i think and um, everything was going really well, wrestling on the Brixton show. And then the WWE United Kingdom Championship Tournament came, and Marco signed again. <laughs> this he goes to again. WWE, right? Yeah. And I was left again. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then I was left off a bunch of cards because then actually Mark was still wrestling at Progress. But, I mean, he just wrestled. He just got the semifinals of the United Kingdom Championship Tournament. He needed to be in singles matches. Yeah, yeah you know, of course. He shouldn't, shouldn't be in tag matches at yeah. this stage. Um, and every now and again, when they wanted him to do a tag, they'd sort of like wheel me back, <laughs> wheel me yeah. back out again um, to get that easy pop. Yeah, party easy hard drops. Pop, Here they come. Yeah, they come. The boys are back together. But, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that, it's beautiful storytelling because even as the closest of friends, that is going to great. If you feel that Mark gets a huge pop on his own because he's off doing all this stuff, and then together he gets an even bigger one. But I'm literally just 
an addition to get that extra pop. It's not that it's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's that let's, let's make it slightly bigger by adding Eddie rather than it. Do you know what I mean? You feel I like an add-on rather than a... <laughs> yeah, a valet yeah. is how I described yeah, yeah, exactly. myself on a promo <laughs> once. Um, but I think that the way I'd always describe, like, kayfabe is such, like, a subtle thing. And I, I always say that the stuff with me and Mark, um, the, the kayfabe element is my emotional response to the things that happened. Yeah. None of the things that happened are kayfabe. Yeah. Everything is real. Yeah, yeah, Everything yeah, yeah. is real. The only thing that's kayfabe is my emotional reaction to it. Yeah. You know, am I that bitter and twisted about one of my best friends getting signed to the WWE? I'll let, I'll let the audience make the yes, decision on that. Indeed. It did happen, though. Yeah. That did happen, and it really did leave me up shit creek a yeah. little bit you know yeah. that that's that's all real just the emotional response that has you know a kayfabe element to it and um so then in alexandra palace in september of last year i turned on mark um and everyone wondered why and i knew i had hours of video content to explain why you'd be just because we had so much backstory that we could reference back to you i'd know? go up to go to the toilet yeah. I was so confused. I didn't know what... I'd seen the match end as all this, and then suddenly there's all this noise. I'm kind of r- rushing back, and I'm like, what's happening? So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we, we, we did the turn, and, and then from there I knew that we would kick on. And someone literally asked me, it doesn't really matter who, but someone asked me in Alexandra Palace, where do you envisage this going with Mark? And I said, Wembley Arena next year. And they were like, there's no way. There's no way Mm. you can make it last that long. And I was like, trust me, I can. And I had this in in a week's time by the time this airs. Um, I had this weekend in my mind a year ago when this happened originally. And And, and, And the injury helped. Yeah. Because where I think you could have got there anyway. But whereas maybe other people would have wanted to accelerate through things quicker, it forced everyone to put the brakes on and take a little bit of time. It forced me to get more creative and to be, well, I can't tell this story in the ring. I can't tell this story physically. So I'm going to have to do it verbally. What can I do to him verbally? What can I do on a show verbally? He's not around. What can I say which will stretch the story? How can I get involved in a you know, limited physical capacity to carry things on, you know, and and we did so many little things. A a couple of weeks after surgery, I went out to America and we did the the walkouts in in America and the the promo work, I liked it. But what I really liked about that part of the story was it was in America, that I was out in America in a sling, just cutting a promo. Oh, that's, you know, that's what's been amazing in this. And, what I think made progress blow up or one of the things that made them exciting was their insistence and ability to tell stories month after month or however it is. And it was at a point when in the UK scene, that wasn't the case. Yeah, most things... The wrestling was on. We've got Tatanka for one week. (laughs) This is exciting, that's it. Progress kind of went, right, we've not got anyone you know, but it's these stories and it builds. And... It's testament to that. One of the biggest moments I've seen was, I'm sure it was at the Brixton show, was just Ginny and Laura coming face to face and and, and the buzz and excitement of that. And it's story telling that gets you there. And again, I'd say 
uh, with a uh, Wembley, tons of big names. Or another example, a uh, uh, Will Ospreay is one of quite rightfully the biggest wrestlers in the world at the moment. He was unfortunately unable to do Wembley, and the adding of Paul Robinson coming back to fight Jimmy with the history there, the stories. Yeah. It's made it arguably more exciting. I'm yeah. genuinely, I'm more, and I, I, I'm the biggest fan of Will. I love Will. I was excited for Will against uh, against Jimmy again. But the bringing back of Paul in that, it's like, you've swapped out one of the most well-known wrestlers in the world with someone who's known in the UK, but not huge elsewhere, had had to retire but for a bit. And all this. Story, because of the story, it's, it's one of the most exciting yeah, things. And absolutely. The, the way you've, you guys have told this story and I don't know how much it's just down to you guys or how much progress involved but the fact that you've gone you've attacked members of Mark's band at his gig and stuff like that so it's just brought it all into the real world and made it this real even though again it's the whole whole kayfabe thing but it's it's taken it that bit further it has it's been you going out on the US tour like or on the US show sorry unable to wrestle but they're to promo to to say I'm gonna be at every show I'm f- I'll, tr- I'll travel the whole world yeah to get absolutely. that fight with you and I think that like when you say how much of it is us and how much of it is progress I think that the biggest thing that progress need credit in for with regards to stuff like that is giving us the opportunity yeah. to tell the story I think the story is a lot of us yeah but i think giving us the platform to do it is 100 percent them you know what i mean valuing someone to be um you know a a a present paid member of a show when ultimately they can't interact with anyone physically at all is huge yeah and the vast majority of shows just wouldn't you know wouldn't let wouldn't let you do it yeah um and and that was that was a big thing when i got hurt as well was i mean i have a, a a PMA tattoo and I was um, uh, seven seconds of a song where they talk about it being more than a slogan on a shirt and I think yeah. that that's like a big a, a big part of my mindset with regards to, I really believe in that whole yeah. PMA ethos and mentality but yeah. I really think it should be more than a slogan on a shirt or more than a cool tattoo and I think that you can't just let you all right, it sucks that you get hurt, but you just got to turn a positive spin on it. So I was like, okay, well, the first thing I did was message every promoter that was booked to have me for the next six months and was like, hey, I don't think I'm going to be able to wrestle, but I'm still more than happy to come to the show and I'll draw the raffle or I'll work the bar or I'll be involved in a promo segment or I'll do commentary. And, you know, as a result, Attack, I started doing commentary in Attack, which has now kicked on to... Attack actually has commentary on all their shows now because we get different people to do it. Yeah. That's off the back of me doing the commentary there. And then I was involved in a really cool angle at Attack as well. Um, I worked the bar at Riptide. Yeah. Just as an opportunity to be involved in the show. Um, Chaos brought me in and stretched this story with this guy, Alex Steele, who was my ex-tag team partner for the entire year, which was really cool. Uh, and and Progress as well were, were insp- instrumental in that they... they they honoured every single one of those dates and and found things for me to do at the shows. Um, and what was cool about Progress, I actually genuinely thought that I was contributing to the show too. Yeah. I didn't think that it was just like a charity thing. I I thought that while I wasn't wrestling, I still felt like what I was providing was quality content. Yeah, the, it wasn't wrestling content, but it was quality content. You, nevertheless, the 
the the storyline of yours of you and Marks that involvement in the Thunder Bastard match was one of the best things I've seen in in wrestling and being there at at, at the show and to explain for those who don't know what it is the Thunder Bastard match is is it eight person eight person and it's, it starts a one on one starts with two and then someone comes in every two minutes kind of like a Royal Rumble but, but it's pinfall or submission or yeah. Submission. And you'd kind of got in, despite being injured and all this, and this match is going on and you're, it so happens that, that you're stood alone in the middle of the ring as the, as the, as it counts down and Mark's music comes on and he's just stood on the stage, the crowd are ripping the walls down, it's just amazing, you're in the ring furious, literally foaming at the mouth, just ready to finally get, get get your hands on Mark, and you get pinned. Yeah. And it just holds it off. And it was just one of the most... At that point, it was like, I can't imagine how this is going to be at Wembley. Because in <laughs> a room of 700 people, the vibe then at the thought of you, you, you finally getting your hands... And I bumped into you afterwards, and you just kind of a, a winked and said, saving it for Wembley. And it was like, <laughs> it was perfect, because it was exactly that. It got all that excitement of, we're going to get to see this. And then it was like, it then said... Or made us all realise, no, you don't want to see it yet. <laughs> yeah, you want to see, see it, it over the there. And it was you like, yes, you're right, you're right. You I thought it, I got caught up in the moment. I thought I wanted to see it now, but you, you certainly don't right. want to see it in a multi-man, eight-man match. No, no, you exactly. definitely want to just see it with the two of us. But yeah, yeah. that I mean, that whole thing around Thunder Bastard, that's probably, I mean, I guess since last September, there's been a lot of cool little like segments and bits that me and Mark have done. That's probably my favorite one. Yeah. Just from a standpoint of it was timing wise, like it was so real. Yeah. It was a case of I got hurt in January. I got booked in for surgery on March 5th. Thunderbass had happened February 25th. It was just the last weekend. Yeah. So yeah. in every weekend, I, I say it in a promo, but, but, it means more because it's real. Every weekend prior to Thunder Bastard, the injury was too painful to wrestle. Yeah. Every weekend after Thunder Bastard, I'd had surgery, yeah. so wrestling yeah, 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 was yeah, yeah. an option. It was this one moment in time where could wrestling work. could happen in a limited capacity, as long as I was really, really, really careful. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, the 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 trauma of the injury had subsided enough that I felt I could move it around, and I hadn't had the surgery, which obviously is like a new kind of trauma. Yeah, I'm just sitting in this little bubble, basically waiting for surgery, and yeah, it was it was the only time we could have done it. It was Thunder Bastard anyway. Um, there was an obvious way of doing it in a sense where I wouldn't have to physically do too much, yeah. and I still think we could tell something really emotionally yeah. uh, sort of stimulating uh, uh, and the real part of it as well was I got hurt you know I quit this job in, in July I got hurt in January I'm heading in for surgery at the beginning of March I know I'm not going to be able to rest in, until July wrestling is this thing that I'm in love with that I'm obsessed with it's all well and good cutting promos and being involved in segments and doing commentary and working a bar, but nothing quite matches 
going out there and lacing yeah. boots and performing. And it was one more time to do that. Yeah. You know, it was one more time to do that before surgery. I could have that 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 thunder bastard, that feeling in my mind the whole time during rehab. And that was that that stuff was real, you know. Yeah. And, and and coupled with this great kayfabe story that we could tell yeah. with all of this reality around yeah. it. It's amazing. Um, this great bait and switch of like, will they, won't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really, I, I really dug it. And there's been another point that has popped me massively this year, year that involves you. And I think I realised recently the reason it made me so emotional. Um, I've told my story on here many times that I was working in a record store and it was at the point that, that I was offered kind of an assistant manager's job or whatever. I decided, right, I'm going to quit and try music f- for a year to be... F- Full time, incredibly yeah. similar. I'll try it for a year. If it works, cool. If it doesn't, I'll go back and continue up the ladder. And he, a year almost to the day, a Thou Shall Always Kill came out and got in the top forty, and it was mind blowing. So rewind a few months. I'm at the um, the, the Royal Albert Hall WWE shows, and it's the new. It's 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 the second a uh, UK tournament. It's mind blowing. I'm getting to see. Uh, Velveteen Dream, who's one of my favourites at the moment. Shawn Michaels comes out, who's my all-time favourite wrestler ever. So it's this amazing thing. And they announce that there's going to be an NXT UK. And those who aren't into wrestling, I won't know. But I've said on other podcasts, I think the product NXT are putting out, uh, which is kind of a feeder division of the WWE on the network, I think it's the best WWE product there has ever been. For me, NXT at the moment is as good as Shawn Michaels, is as good as Attitude Era, as that kind of... I think the product they're putting, the stories that they're telling is amazing. So the idea of a UK one. And then at the end, they wheel out a few of the people who are going to be NXT UK. And it is, you know, I'd say it's within the 11th or 12th month since you quit your job. Yeah, it's real close. (laughs) You're walking out and you're announced, you're signed by the WWE and part of of NXT T O UK, so you couldn't write that, that no, right. to say to say I'm going to quit to chase my dream to inspire all these kids, and then a year almost to the day from you quitting, you walk out and are announced as part of the WWE first ever proper U- U- UK brand. Yeah, how's that for a journey, man? <laughs> how's yeah. that for a, mo- a moment as well walking out? Because I didn't know, I knew a lot of the boys who were involved in it, and you'd kind of I messaged you in fact yeah, that you day did. to yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. mate. First Mate, tweet was, I got yours was. It was just amazing because it was exactly that. It was just having known the injury and, and, and the life change you had made and the risk you'd taken to see you walk out there. It was like, Yeah, it was pretty wow. satisfying. So I'd known, obviously, we'd signed a little earlier. Uh, we'd signed sort of in the begin- in the middle of May um, when I was very much still injured. Yeah. So I signed very much still injured with the hope. I told them that I would be healthy to wrestle um, at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. Um, and I actually wrestled for Attack two days before the Royal Albert Hall. Right. Like I made my return then, but by the time I got to the Royal Albert Hall, they weren't happy with with me wrestling just yep. yet. Um, but uh, you know, again, still... it's good because because again, it's good that they're protecting the, yeah, the talent, yeah, yeah. That looking they're, after me. Yeah. They're looking at you long term rather yeah. than oh, we need you f- f- oh, for this one night. They go yeah. no, no, we need you 
as part of this brand that's going exactly. to be going forward moving you know? forward so you know more credit to them for for being careful and making sure that i was and i wasn't ready and again it's it's the job of a good promotion to protect the wrestlers from themselves yeah. not from other wrestlers because we'll be ready because you'll be like a week later. i'm fine i'm good to go i'm <laughs> yeah. good to go it's, it's like, the no, wwe you're not. yeah exactly um, so it was but you know I, the frustrating aspect of it was was i signed uh sort of in the middle of may and i told nobody i kept it this big secret like yeah. my girlfriend knew my mom and my dad my sister didn't even know wow I, you know like nobody knew yeah. um because i didn't want it to like leak and things and then um the you know the the royal albert hall show happened and i didn't know i didn't know whether i would be like a a moving head you know I, I knew i was there i was yeah, backstage yeah, yeah, yeah. for both shows i didn't know if they were gonna like wheel me out to the front row to like wave yeah and then they put they like do, a little banner yeah, across yeah, the bottom yeah, yeah. saying new new nxt uk superstar or whatever um i didn't know what they were gonna do and then when we found out that we were all going out to do the curtain call at the end i was just relieved because i thought okay after the curtain call i can acknowledge that this yeah, has happened I, you know? people, I just yeah, want to tell people i just want to bask in my yeah, <laughs> sort of like yeah. my glory and be, be be sort of like proud of myself um yeah i mean it was it was a year bar a month it was 11 months june was the uh was the tape was the show i think um yeah. ridiculous i, I it's, it's hard to hard to sum up like it was the the big thing i mean just to wrestle full-time was was the dream when i quit teaching but ultimately to be in a position where i was financially stable and we could me and liana could carry on with life yeah you know because life had to really hit the brakes like we had to stop decorating the house and things when I, when i quit teaching to go full-time wrestling because i just didn't know how much money i was going to make yeah i didn't yeah. know how comfortable i was going to be yeah of course. um and it was a good job we did because obviously when i got hurt you know that 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 stuff harms your earnings like yeah. realistically even though there are some promotions which have fantastic and and keep on using you in a non-wrestling capacity there are some that don't so it does affect you financially you know um so to be in a situation where we were finally had some real security we can kick on and carry on decorating the house we can move on with our with our lives outside of wrestling was hugely satisfying and also it's 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 just the wwe WWE, isn't it? It's just that thing that I watched when I was five. Yeah. So we were at tapings the other day, and like you know, I'm 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 receiving a device from Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Like that's that's mind blowing, really, isn't it? To sit back and to be like, did that really just happen? Yeah. Did I really just come back from my taped match for WWE television and ask Triple H if it was okay and receive feedback from him? Like. This is mind-boggling. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so it's been it's been absolutely surreal since that day, really. And then you know we got to go out and spend some time in the performance center, which was incredible. Wow! Got to do some NXT house shows, which is incredible. Did the US tour with Progress. It's been amazing since returning from injury. It's really just been like yeah. ticking off crazy thing after crazy thing after crazy thing. Yeah. And then next weekend. You got Wembley on Sunday, which we've spoken about with Mark, which obviously is as big as it gets. It could be upwards of like five thousand people yeah. in Wembley Arena. Like my mum and my dad are going to be there, and like it's it's huge, isn't it? It's like a year in the making. This it's, it's, this story, which I think I can look back on and be proud of it yeah. artistically, yeah. of what 
led to this match. Yeah. So, you know, there's this opportunity to, to pay off this build, which I'm really proud of and, yeah. and I think is, you know, a body of work which will stand the test of time with regards to being like Completely. a really good piece of work. And it's a truly beautiful thing because we were, we were talking before we started how in general the wonder of progress because they're so good at what they do is their shows sell out in a minute. Yeah. Every time they announce it, they, they still do them every month um, and every other month in Manchester or, or whatever it works out as. But Wembley is the one where literally everyone listening now, you can on a last minute go, I'm going to go. I'm going to get my mates together. I'm going to get my family together. And, and we're going to go. And it's, it's the exciting thing of that. I, I remember when I tweeted about it, when Jim announced it at Ali Pali, he had not told me, he said, you might want to f- film the uh, my introduction of the second half. He hadn't told me told me what it was. I was like, "All right, That's he's going to get attacked or something." So I filmed it and posted it. And I had one person go, "Again, it's the typical punk rock thing of, I don't know why everyone's excited. You know, I'd rather watch a band in a small room yeah. than in a big room." And I had to I had to explain. It's like it's like like I'm a Millwall fan, so it's like Millwall getting to Wembley. I'm still going to get to see him at the Den every every month yeah. or every every uh, week. They're still there, but it's this one off moment where everyone can come together if you've been before if you've n- never been and it be this amazing celebration of the best storytelling the best in ring the best of everything in british wrestling and, and I mean, internationally the thing is musically i am actually totally guilty of doing that you know yeah, musically i have way more of an affinity towards yeah. bands when they're smaller and they're just they're just kicking on and when they blow up and they play big arenas there's way less appeal to go but and see them but that's the difference here is it's not a permanent blow up it's a one off it's like, yeah. like I supported a Frank Turner at Wembley and it was amazing it sold out in no time at all because it was exactly that he was like I'm not always going to be doing arenas but for this special occasion I'm going to get Billy Bragg I'm going to get Dan and Pip I'm going to get Beans on Toast and we're going to do Wembley fucking arena and it, it it feels like that it feels like the wrestling version of that again look this isn't going to be every every <laughs> month every year but we're getting everyone together and we're going to go gonna in there and it. show them that we can do this it's yeah. not it doesn't have to be some big pop band in it it doesn't have to be whomever I was about to tell his names but I don't want to be derogatory to anyone but we can go in there as a grubby punk rock wrestling <laughs> community and go this is ours. Yeah, and exactly. That's and that's exciting. that's what's cool. Loads of people like I, I I would love it if a bunch of people who who have never been to maybe independent pro wrestling yeah. before in the UK uh gave it a try because they've seen 100%. posts about it or they've you know, they've listened to a podcast or they've, you know, seen an advert for it in a magazine or whatever. Because it's gonna be you know, there's there's people who've been in it from the grassroots and, and it'll mean more to all of them. But ultimately, it's just going to be this cool spectacle, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's just such a such a crazy big moment, yeah. And the day before, the day before, this is sold out, so it doesn't really matter with regards to like a, a shameless shill. But um, <laughs> the day before in Shropshire, just random promotion, SWA, um, in front of. 200 people tops and wrestling Doug Williams. Oh, wow. And, um, he, you know, he he may may or may not uh, be done pretty soon yeah. after that. So, weirdly, I have no backstory. This is the beautiful thing about pro wrestling, right? Yeah. I have no backstory with Doug. Yeah. 
I've wrestled him once before in a triple threat match. We've never had any, like, you know, our paths have crossed socially at wrestling shows. In a weird way, that match on the Saturday in a town hall in Shropshire means just as much as the match the day after in front of 5,000 people with my best friend in front of, you know, in in the biggest British independent show of the last decade. The both matches, like to me, excitement-wise are kind of parity because one of them is Mark in Wembley, TLC, my mum and my dad are going to be there. But the other one's Doug fucking Williams. legend. Do you know what I mean? It's Doug Williams. It's the guy who like, I watched have pure championship matches for Ring of Honor yeah, and you know yeah, what I mean yeah, I watched yeah. wrestle Geordie Fleisch on Bravo yeah. like it's literally my first my first exposure to British independent wrestling oh, wow. was Doug Williams against Geordie Fleisch on Bravo amazing so that's pretty cool I, that I weekend's gonna be wicked well that's a good it's a good time to wrap it up as we're we're on, on 75 minutes but before we do I want to quickly talk um, about our, our one other thing as a as a kind of I've only got into the indie a UK scene in the last a couple of years and I've built up a list of of shows I want to go to I've, I've gone to loads of progress but I want to catch an ICW show I want to catch a Fight Club Pro show I want to catch a, a Riptide show um, I want to go over and catch an OTT show yeah but the other one on that list has always been to go down to Cardiff and catch an attack show yeah and it's weird because you're now doing a London show and Bridge, like all these different places, but part of me is still like it's nearer. But go to I want, the first hall. one, I want to go to Cardiff. <laughs> it's like I'll, I'll catch you in London at some point. But as soon as as soon as I tweeted about it, I think someone was saying, "Oh, they're coming to London." I was like, "I want to do, uh, you know, a, a four or five hour drive to go to it. I want to go and do it in in the proper place. So, I want to feel like I earned it." Exactly. So tell me a little bit about Attack because it's 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 you, it's Pete Dunn, it's Mark. Like there's a lot. It's Mark Andrews. A lot of you guys who a world a world known and world and world renowned yeah Chris Brooks is yeah as Chris well, Brooks right? has kind of kicked on and uh, sort of runs it at the moment um so the, I, I guess the deal is with Attack back in 2011 I think is the year uh you got me Pete Dunn Mark Andrews Damian Dunn Wild Boy Mike Kitchman Flash Morgan Webster Mike Bird um amongst other people just not getting booked by anyone <laughs> yeah um being sick of it. Uh, when we were getting booked, not being able to wrestle the style which we liked, um, just being like, "Oh, well, we're going to start our own promotion and we'll we'll wrestle our way yeah. or, or the highway," sort of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, booked Kate's K- Community Center and the first show. Well, we did some shows in Birmingham first, but the first real attack show, I think, is is the Kate's Community Center one. We do it for the money, obviously. We did it for for uh, for, for charity. Um, it was. 80 or 90 people there 40 of them were my friends of uni the other friend the other 50 were mark's friends from uni no wrestling fans in the room um and 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 yeah that's it's sort of become this like it's like this underground underground mecca hotbed of of british wrestling you know um just because so many people from that scene went on to do super 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 well you know what i mean and it was originally run by uh jim lee and and p 
Pete Dunne and then Mark Andrews got on board with it and you know it's been passed around a little bit at the moment Chris Brooks very much is sort of like the the the, the mastermind behind the current incarnation of it but um it's it's a collective you know it's a collaborative yeah. you can tell that by looking at the roster it's been the same guys since day one yeah, uh, yeah. it's just a people a, a group of friends like-minded individuals um and we just had a mindset of what we thought professional wrestling should be do you know what I mean we didn't like the idea of people being you know moody or miserable backstage wanted people to have fun and to enjoy themselves and um and and it's satisfying from an egotistical standpoint to take a step back and to be like well we were right weren't we because we're all doing pretty fucking well now (laughs) um so that's really that's a really satisfying feeling to be to be in that in that boat and um I was sitting on this sofa, the sofa we're sitting on here, watching that television for the first United Kingdom Championship tournament and just grinning year to year yeah. at the fact that out of the final four of the first ever WWE-based United Kingdom tournament, three out of four of them were attack. Yeah, Pete, Mark, Tyler, all attack through yeah. and through, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was really, really satisfying to see that. And I think about that. If you think about that, we do it for the money, obviously, show. Wild Boar wrestled Flash Morgan Webster on it, both signed to WWE. Yeah. I wrestled Mike Bird on it, I'm signed to WWE. Yeah. Pete wrestled Mark Andrews, both signed to WWE. There was only four matches on the card. Amazing. <laughs> Three of the four matches. Yeah. Like, at, you know, what have I just named? Five out of six yeah. of the combatants uh, are now. So that's, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think you can find those ratios on any other small independent wrestling yeah. show like size wise it's definitely a step below progress yeah um but it's like i don't know if 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 progress is diy punk rock pro wrestling then i, I don't know what adjectives you use to describe <laughs> attack but it's like a step yeah. below that yeah jim lee we we did the pre-show for the first chikara tour in london and jim lee described attack pro wrestling as it's like it's like Chikara, but the wrestlers went to Poundland to buy their costumes. Perfect. <laughs> I, I love it. The, the, the key, that was kind of... Yeah, that nails it. The, <laughs> the key thing that I want to pick up there to end on was you were talking about that first show and you said not... Uh, speaking about the crowd, 40 of, of your <laughs> mates from uni, 50 marks, not a wrestling fan among them. <laughs> And that's what's key, I think, about progress and about everything in British wrestling at the moment. The reason it's flourished is it stopped any kind of elitism or exclusionary. It, like you don't have to. I, I would have been scared a while back to go. Well, I don't want to go because I don't know anyone is, and I'm going to feel like I'm an idiot. You, you don't have to. My mate Chris that comes to uh, to all of them with me. The only r- wrestling he watches at all is in the ballroom. Yeah progress he doesn't watch any network stuff he doesn't know anything he came to one of the unboxing ones and i'm surprised he wasn't popping as much as me i was like it's the excitement of not knowing he's like i never know what's happening i turn <laughs> up, I, I come every month with you i never know who's wrestling i know it's, it's, it's this exciting for me every week jack gallagher walks up means nothing yeah, to exactly <laughs> but, but that's the beauty of it is it's got that you don't feel out of place so you can Again, this feels like a hard sell for Wembley now, but if you've n- never even been into wrestling, you can just turn up and go, well, I'm free that weekend, and let's give it a look. It's got that welcoming element, not yeah. that kind of, well, you're not going to be be in on all the in-jokes. And again, the beauty of, of what Progress are doing for, for this event is they're doing 
a, a little video packages that they're kind of yeah. telling the stories here's how we got to this point here's how we got to this point here's what here's why it means something i always like any art uh when it's done in a way where it's appealing to everyone regardless of your knowledge it just has a different level of appeal to yeah. someone who's obsessive completely so much as you know whether you'd call them art or not like i think the marvel universe movies are a great example of it every marvel universe movie stands alone as a decent movie in its yeah. own right if you however it, yeah. if you watch it all and agent carter and agents of shield and every television series that goes along with it yeah you get so much more out of it yeah same thing for, for um, progress amount of you know? people are proud to explain that that was the captain marvel yeah. logo at, at, at the end of it like again because i'm a comic book nerd, but it's like that meant that when that happened i was jumping out of my seat everyone else in the cinema was like there's a bit of a naff all right there's credit. a pager and i'm like oh shit they're <laughs> just going crazy but yeah it's exactly that it's that it's yeah it's it's inclusionary in in that 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 manner and if you want to nerd out on it you You'll get a lot more. But that but doesn't mean is, that Infinity Wars isn't a kick-ass movie yeah, if you've no, never seen any exactly. of the Marvel films. Oh, that was it. I turned up at the first progress and me and Chris came almost, not not to look down our nose at anything, but we were like, I've not been to wrestling in years. I still I still, I watch a bit of WWF, but you know, that's, that's the big shows. A touch of cynicism. We went because one of the guys was walking out to our music. We'd heard it look cool. It was a bit punk rock. We're old punk rock kids. And we literally, after that event, we didn't miss an event for a year. And that was, again, that was just turning up cold. No knowledge. After that, we're going every month for a year. And then there's been a few of them since. But again, it's it's a hell of a... Yeah, show up cold to Wembley, and then you'll have to remortgage your house by in progress tickets. Yeah, for the next oh, it's okay. Year After Wembley, you're not going to be able to buy a ticket until the next big <laughs> one. So, <laughs> thank you True. very much, Eddie. And where can can people keep up to date with all your goings on on social media? Uh, at Eddie Dennis nineteen eighty six on Twitter is probably the closest thing to stimulating content that I put out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Instagram, uh, I like that story thing on the top banner. So if you follow at Eddie Dennis on Instagram, then you'll see pictures of me at the gym or playing with my cat. Um, and Eddie Dennis Wrestling is the Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash Eddie Dennis Wrestling. And that has like my schedule and upcoming appearances and boring bits and pieces like that. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad I'm glad we can make this happen. And yes. the next time I'll see you, I'll be in the stands and you'll be wrestling at Wembley. Yeah, atop a 20-foot ladder How with the contract to the number one contenderships in my hand, keeping a close eye on Walter and Tyler in the main event. Damn right. I'll see you there. <laughs> Ta-da. You've been listening to Squibbish Pit's Discretion Pieces. There we go. Did I not tell you it was a great one? Honestly, amazing dude. Absolutely amazing dude. Um, I didn't mention in the intro, thank you for all the love for last week's episode with Angel um, Jeffrey. Yeah, tons of love for that, rightfully so. She's an amazing woman. Um, or not last week's, it's this week technically, as it's Sunday, but still. Again, I urge you, go to Progress at Wembley. There's still t- tickets available. 
The beauty of Wembley is it's got an adjustable kind of capacity. Therefore, however many people there are, it will feel great. The atmosphere is going to be amazing. Head along to that. It's got the best stars in the world. It's got, um, it is the last independent show for Matt Riddle, one of the most praised wrestlers on the independent scene who's just signed for WWE and he's going to be a huge star. So it's your last chance to see him on the indies. Um, Head along. It's going to be great. I'll be back on Wednesday as ever. As I've teased, I've got one of my biggest guests ever on Wednesday. In fact, if you've if you've listened right till the end, I'm going to tell you. It's Dominic Monaghan. I mean, dude was in Lord of the Rings. Then he was in Lost. Oh, now he's in Star Wars. The reason I've moved it f- f- forward, a lot of you on the Patreon... Well, no, I've been recording a lot of guests recently. I've been posting pictures up. You can go and look at all of them. They remain up there. It's only 80p. Um, Patreon.com slash Pip. But this was one that I recorded, and it was meant to come out like mid-October or end of October. And it was just so good. I've had to move it forward because he talks about Star Wars stuff that I don't think he's talked about anywhere else. And it's real kind of hot off the presses. I was talking to him on a day in between... shooting so he's over filming now and yeah i had to rush this one out so that'll be with you on wednesday um please be excited and spread the word when it comes out but yeah i'll talk to you more about that in a few days until then um yeah i'll see you on wednesday and hopefully i'll see you at the book club and at wembley arena see you in a bit bye bye